Hello, this is Chris, and for the next hour, I'll be reading from the May 23rd to 25th issues of the Batavia Daily News on the Niagara Frontier Radio Reading Service. First, some news. Genesee extends emergency order. Brian Quinn, Batavia. Genesee County Monday extended an emergency order for another five days amid concern about potential influx of migrants from the southern states. The county reiterated that the state of emergency it declared last Wednesday is in effect for 30 days from the day it was issued until June 16th. The emergency orders placed during the state of emergency shall remain in effect for five days unless sooner modified, extended, or revoked, and may be extended for additional periods not to exceed five days during the pendency of the local state of emergency, the county said. Going forward, the county said it will post all updated emergency orders to the latest news section of its website at www.co.genesee.ny.us. Last week, County Manager Matthew Landers said, In Genesee County, we are stretched. We are stretched to the max when it comes to our own homelessness. This was kind of a preemptive... We want to explore. We want to have a discussion with all of our partners in the area to really understand what our capacity is, but we don't believe we have the ability to take migrants at this point. Landers said the county is currently in a situation where it has a hard time housing any homelessness in the county. County officials have said the declaration is needed due to the lack of housing facilities in the county for migrants and asylum seekers. Sheriff William Sharon Jr. said Friday that Genesee County Chamber of Commerce is notifying slash educating the local establishments regarding this state of emergency. The county sheriff's office's role will be to investigate any alleged violations and issue appearance tickets if violations are found, he said. Man killed in tree cutting incident, Castile. A man was killed Thursday in a tree cutting accident on property off of Devaney Road. New York State Police Troop A Public Information Officer James O'Callaghan has not responded to follow-up calls and an email regarding Thursday's accident. Troopers have not posted any reports on the incident as of Monday morning. Wyoming County Fire and EMS Coordinator Bill Stryker said Monday that firefighters and EMS with law enforcement were dispatched at 5.26 p.m. Thursday. Stryker said the victim was a 42-year-old man. He referred a question about the victim's identity to troopers. Stryker said the man was the victim of a tree-cutting incident. He was pronounced dead at the scene by Coroner Neil Williams of Arcade. Pike Fire and EMS responded to the scene along with Monroe Ambulance. Mercy Flight was on standby. New York State Police and Wyoming County Sheriff's Office responded, Stryker said. Orleans Police will step up enforcement, Albion. Orleans County law enforcement agencies will be among those out in force for Memorial Day weekend. Memorial Day is one of the busiest travel holidays of the year and marks the official start of summer, said Sheriff Christopher M. Burke in a news release. Law enforcement agencies and Stop DWI programs statewide will collaborate to reduce the number of impaired driving-related injuries and deaths. The Stop DWI Memorial Day weekend high-visibility engagement campaign will run from May 26th to 30th. Honoring the Fallen, Brian Quinn, Batavia. New York State Police Troop A personnel who died in the line of duty were in the troop's thoughts this week during an annual memorial service Tuesday. 
These are the heroes. These are the people that came, stepped in, and did what had to be done, and we will not forget them for that, said Troop A Public Information Officer James O'Callaghan. Law enforcement and civilian employees for Troop A joined state police leaders in front of the barracks for the observance. Major Eugene Staniszewski said the proud tradition of honoring state police personnel who have lost their lives in the line of duty continues. Several of our fallen troopers' family members are with us today. We welcome you and thank you for joining us today, he said. Each of you has traveled a long and difficult journey. Staniszewski thanked the law enforcement personnel who took the time to be there Tuesday. This was the 41st time Troop A held a ceremony. Troop A gathers to honor the members whose names are carved in the monument behind me on the 9-11 memorial inside Troop headquarters, he said. We scheduled the ceremony close to May 15th because that is the day President John F. Kennedy designated as National Peace Officers Memorial Day. Joining together, we show our appreciation and recognition that our safety and our freedom are brought at a price. Troop A wants to let families of personnel who have died know that it will not forget the service their loved ones have given. Those members and their families will always be part of the New York State Police family, Staniszewski said. While we still mourn their absence, we celebrate the devotion to public service and the sacrifice they made to keep us safe. As we set today aside to think about our police officers, let us be mindful that we should do this every day not just one. State police members who were honored Tuesday willingly joined a profession that is inherently dangerous. In turn, we are eternally dedicated to them, to their selfless sacrifice that helped make the world a better and safer place. The family of Trooper Ross Riley, who died in 2011, attended Tuesday's ceremony, as did family of Trooper Kevin P. Dobson, who died a couple of years before him. It takes a strong family for law enforcement officers to be able to do this job, Staniszewski said. It's not only a commitment to them, it's a commitment by their families for the services that they do, the sacrifice the families have to make so these members can perform their jobs. It's very important for us to see them and stay in contact with them during the year, to let them know that we still remember and support them and that we'll never forget their loved ones. Afterwards, Staniszewski said this is a very important ceremony at this time of year to Troop A. It's very important to the families that we show the respect for the sacrifice that these members made in service to the state of New York, he said. The following personnel, listed with their zone, barracks, and date of death, died in the line of duty. Trooper James B. Losco, Zone 2, SP Wanaka, July 7, 1925. Trooper Arnold T. Rasmussen, Zone 1, SP Batavia, September 8, 1927. Trooper Robert J. Roy, Zone 4, September 8, 1927. Sergeant Homer J. Harrison, Zone 2, SP Castile, June 19, 1933. Trooper Thomas L. Corbett, Zone 1, SP Batavia, August 13, 1933. Trooper Jerome B. Nugent, Zone 3, SP Sheridan, October 13, 1933. Corporal Earl R. Wilkinson, Zone 1, SP Batavia, BCI, May 24, 1942. Sergeant Harry A. Adams, Zone 1, SP Albion, September 1, 1951. Trooper James D. Conrad, Zone 4, SP Bath, November 11, 1966. Trooper Richard L. Welts, Zone 2, SP Athol Springs, March 17, 1970. Investigator Thomas L. Buck, Zone 3, SP Fredonia, March 19, 1981. Trooper Gary E. Kabasiak, Zone 3, SP Gowanda, August 30, 1982. Trooper Kevin P. Dobson, Zone 2, SP Clarence, March 26, 2011. Trooper William P. Keene, SP Batavia, August 23, 2013. 
Trooper Ross M. Riley, Troop H, Special Operations Rescue Team, November 20th, 2013. Trooper Joseph J. Mecca, Jr., Zone 4, SP Olean, December 2nd, 2020. Trooper Jennifer M. Zernecki, Zone 2, SP Boston, December 5th, 2020. There were also five members of the Troop A region who valiantly gave their lives in performance of duty. Trooper Brian N. Rovnak, Troop K, February 2nd, 1983. Trooper Joseph A. Longobardo, Troop G, Mobile Response Team, September 1st, 2006. Trooper David C. Brinkerhoff, Mobile Response Team, April 25th, 2007. Trooper Jill E. Mattis, Troop C, SP Oneonta, January 20th, 2010. Trooper Joseph J. Gallagher, Troop L, SP Brentwood, March 26th, 2021. Meeting to discuss INDEC plant, Matt Sertel, Silver Springs. There are no plans to close the village's INDEC cogeneration facility, but an upcoming meeting will help residents and business owners determine a reuse and recovery plan in the event the location was to ever shut down. The session is set for 6 p.m. Thursday at the Silver Springs Fire Hall on 43 North Main Street. The project is the first in a statewide initiative to develop such planning in the event of closures. NYSERDA has allocated money for communities to do community revitalization strategies for any area where there is a fossil fuel-generated power plant, said lead consultant Derek Kane of the Labella Associates engineering firm. There's no push for the facility to be closed, nor is the plant itself talking about closing down. The purpose is to develop a vision in the event market forces change and the plant's no longer profitable. New York State continues to pursue green energy and how the community would respond, he said. That will include completing a study of the village's infrastructure along with examining workforce development and similar factors which would be needed. The village of Silver Springs received $150,000 grant to complete the study. We like to talk about it as being like flood insurance, Kane said. If, in the worst-case scenario, something were to happen, here's what you can do and how the community can respond. The INDEC plant was constructed in 1991. It uses natural gas to generate electricity as needed while providing steam to the village's nearby Morton Salt plant. INDEC is rated at 57 megawatts. The facility uses natural gas as its primary fuel source, with fuel oil as a secondary source. Although New York State plans to move away from fossil fuel power in ensuing decades, Mayor Raymond King said he doesn't believe INDEC would be affected. It's an industrial facility, he said. Morton Salt would not be affected as a food production facility. The meeting will be available online for those who can't attend. Those interested can watch virtually via Zoom at https colon slash slash us02web.zoom.us slash j slash 89544920027 or by calling 929-205-6099. Kessler returning to John Kennedy, Ben Beagle, Batavia. A former principal at John Kennedy Intermediate School will return to the post in July. Paul Kessler, who has served as principal of Batavia High School since 2018, was approved Monday night by the City School District's Board of Education as principal of John Kennedy Intermediate, effective July 1st. Kessler began his career with the City School District in 2005 as principal of John Kennedy. I am thankful for all the leadership opportunities Batavia has offered me, Kessler said in a news release. Being able to hand diplomas to students I have known since kindergarten has been very special. I am so proud of all the work our high school staff has done in helping our students recover from the pandemic and reach graduation. I am excited about the 
opportunity to return to John Kennedy to utilize my background in elementary education to help the school continue to excel in the future. Kessler's appointment to the new post came following a recommendation from District Superintendent Jason Smith. Kessler has been an exceptional leader in the, in the Batavia City School District for the last 18 years, Smith said in a news release. Paul started his career at John Kennedy, and I was thrilled when he approached me about returning. Paul's steadfast commitment to BCSD and the Batavia community is admirable, and I look forward to his return to JK and thank him for his memorable and impactful five years leading BHS. A search for a replacement principal at the high school is to begin immediately, the district said. Kessler, a native of the Utica area, has 26 years of experience in the educational field, beginning as a kindergarten slash second grade teacher at Dr. Lewis Cerulli School 34 in the Rochester City School District. He taught kindergarten, second grade, and was a reading specialist and instructor at the time he came to Batavia. He has a Bachelor of Science in Elementary Education from SUNY Geneseo, a Master's of Science in Education from SUNY Brockport. He also has a Master of Science in Educational Administration from St. John Fisher College, Rochester. Kessler is certified as a New York State School Administrator slash Supervisor. In 2020, Kessler was a finalist for the superintendent's position at Pavilion Central School. Community Survey Sets Health Priorities Batavia a community health survey has identified future health priorities for Genesee, Orleans, and Wyoming counties. The survey was conducted by the Genesee, Orleans, and Wyoming County Health Departments in collaboration with Rochester Regional Health at United Memorial Medical Center, Orleans Community Health, and the Wyoming County Community Health System. Every three years, health departments, area hospitals, and community partners work to complete a comprehensive assessment about the community's current health status and needs. The process includes collecting data and community feedback. Much of the data looks beyond the traditional medical definition of health to examine social factors such as housing, income, employment, education, and access to healthy food. With the help from the public and our community partners, we were able to collect a total of 2,094 survey responses between March and June 2022, said Paul Pettit, Public Health Director for the Genesee and Orleans County Health Departments, in a news release. The Community Health Assessment prepares the data trends in the GOW region and guides the selection of priority areas for the Community Health Improvement Plan. The Community Health Improvement Plan is an interactive document continuously updated based on the community needs. It is a strategic plan for area health departments, hospitals, and community partners to work on over a three-year period. The 2022-24 priority areas are prevent chronic disease, prevent initiation of tobacco use, increase cancer screening rates, improve self-management skills for individuals with chronic diseases, promote well-being and prevent mental and substance use disorders, prevent opioid overdose deaths, prevent and address adverse childhood experiences. We look forward to collaborating with community partners in the GOW region to address these local public health issues and improve the health of the communities we serve, said Public Health Administrator Laura Pellucci of the Wyoming County Health Department. By working together to address these priority areas, we can increase access to public health programs and services to meet the needs of our residents. To access the 2022-24 through 24 GOW Community Health Assessment and Community Health Improvement Plan, people are advised to visit their respective health department websites. To provide comments on the GOW Community Health Assessment, complete the feedback form at https colon slash slash www.surveymonkey.com slash r slash cha2022 feedback. You are listening to a reading of articles and features from the Batavia Daily News on the Niagara Frontier Radio Reading Service. A Temporary Mess, Matt Sertel, Batavia. 
A toppled tree caused an unexpected mess Wednesday in the city. The tree fell about 10.30 a.m. on Richmond Avenue and New York Place, closing the sidewalk and a portion of the road. No injuries were reported, but crews spent the next 30 minutes clearing the debris from the pavement and a nearby sidewalk. No injuries or cause were reported, but the tree was old and reportedly rotten. The toppled tree arrived during an odd day weather-wise in the Glow region. The day started sunny and warm, but temperatures then decreased rapidly into the upper 50s with dampness and occasional rain showers. The cooler temperatures are expected to remain through Friday before returning to the 70s on Saturday, according to the National Weather Service in Buffalo. Most of New York State remains free of any abnormal dryness or drought conditions, according to the U.S. Drought Monitor. The nearest conditions would be occurring in Long Island, along with portions of Connecticut and eastern Pennsylvania. The Glow Region's outdoor fire risk is also listed as low, according to the State Department of Environmental Conservation. Perry Downtown Revitalization Initiative meeting tonight. Matt Sertel, Perry. A meeting tonight, Thursday, will update residents as the village embarks on its downtown revitalization initiative planning. The village was awarded $10 million in state DRI funding this February. The money can be used for downtown development and rehabilitation projects. The village's local planning committee will meet at 6 p.m. tonight, May 25th, in the Masonic Temple on 21 North Main Street to kick off the planning process. The meeting is open to the public and comments will be allowed after the work session. The Local Planning Committee, also known as the LPC, will act as a steering body for the DRI process while providing directions to the project team, reviewing program materials, and evaluating projects to potentially receive funding. The $10 million DRI award is a major accomplishment and follows a highly competitive application process. The area outlined in the village's DRI application includes most of Main Street, along with portions of Federal, Center, and Luster Streets, and the Silver Lake Outlet, as it exists in the village. Perry was among three villages in the Glow region to receive funding during the DRI announcement. The villages of Geneseo and Medina are also set to each receive $4.5 million New York Forward grant. The city of Batavia also received the top $10 million award in 2017. City Ways Jackson Square Alcohol Use. Brian Quinn, Batavia. The City Council will consider in a couple of weeks a request to allow open containers during events in Jackson Square. Discussion on a written request from the Business Improvement District, BID, for permission to have open containers of alcohol in Jackson Square for events. Council Member Paul Vila said he supports allowing open containers. Council President Eugene Jankowski Jr. said his concern is people using the square as a public space to bring their own alcohol and hang out in the square on their own when nothing's going on at the restaurants that connect to the square. I'm in favor of it, but I would like to see something, possibly signage, warning people if they leave that area, they're going to be in violation, he said. If no one is responsible for Jackson Square, yet they use it, who's going to be cleaning it up? Councilmember-at-Large Bob Bielkowski said the council could provide open container permission for square events without having to repeal the law. The City Code Section 37-3 says no person shall possess, carry, or transport any alcoholic beverage with the intent to consume the same in any open or unsealed container on any public lands as defined as aforesaid. In Section 37.4, the code says the open container regulation would not apply to a fair, picnic, or other community gathering for which special permission has been granted by the City Council of the City of Batavia or its duly designated agent. After the public input, the council agreed to look into the matter further and to discuss it with Police Chief Sean Heibush before making a decision on Jackson Square. 
There was no formal resolution on the request as of Monday night. At this point, I don't think we have a problem with it, so we should probably draw up a resolution, put it on the next conference meeting agenda, so that we can officially discuss it, Jankowski said. The resolution will be visible to the public and they can weigh in. It will be moved to a business meeting after that. Jankowski said all the council had was a letter of request to discuss permission for open containers during Jackson Square events. City Attorney George Van Nest said the better practice would be to have a proposed resolution with terms and conditions. Lawmakers could discuss it at a conference meeting or special conference meeting and decide whether to move the resolution to a business meeting for a vote. We should expedite this. I don't want to see this go on until September, Councilmember Al McGinnis said. I want this done now. We're here to promote business not destroy it. Jankowski said the council could consider a resolution at a special conference meeting at 7 p.m. June 12th and then bring it up at a business meeting the same evening. This still gives the public two weeks to let us know how they feel by the time we have the next business meeting. Councilmember Tammy Schmidt said summer's coming and concerts are going to start, so the council should have a special conference meeting in two weeks. Eli Fish Brewing Company co-owner Matt Gray noted Eli Fish is one of the main users of the square and provides two festivals, the Carnival and Oktoberfest. Eli Fish is also around for the Business Improvement District Friday Night Concert Series. There is also the July 1st Batavia Ramble Explore Art and Music Festival, another event on the square. There are multiple reasons why we would like to see that. Number one is, when we provide liquor in the square, we have to go for a state liquor authority permit per New York state law. We can only go for four, and that's total by anyone for one location. With the four events Gray named, he said Eli Fish would be out of licenses. Another factor is development, Gray said. We know the city is getting ready to put a large chunk of capital into the space, which is great, but what the space is missing is people, he said. Right now, we're less than 14 days when there's active programming in that square. Putting a great stage there and cleaning the square up is fantastic, but I'm not sure that pushes the needle to bring people into the space. Gray said if there's an open container for Jackson Square and people were able to leave Eli Fish and go over to Center Street Smokehouse, there could be some cross-traffic. If there's ability to have more people in the square during the summer season, there's an opportunity there for Center Street and Eli to partner and actually maybe co-sponsor the music on the stage, do a Saturday concert series. Go Art, Education, and Statewide Community Regrant Program Director Mary Jo Whitman said Go Art is involved in the Batavia Ramble and funds a lot of events that come to Jackson Square. She said Open Container will not only bring people to the square, but those people will patronize different businesses. Resident James Simmons, who has spoken about the need for recycling in neighborhoods, walks in the city. What I see is a lot of empty containers, whether that be glass bottles, beer bottles, broken along the railroad tracks or throughout the city. It's ultimately a person's responsibility on how they discard their alcoholic beverages, Simmons said. With the open policy rule, we contain that just to the square. Patricia Marshall of Lancaster, president of the Lancaster Merchant Association, said the village of Lancaster looked into revising its open container codes a few years ago. In our research we have done, we looked at other municipalities that revised their open container policy, Marshall said. We also researched and engaged the police department. Marshall said Lancaster also reached out to East Aurora, who's never had an open container law. We reached out to them and asked them if they had noticed any increase in incidents during events in which open container is allowed, she said. They reported they do not see incidents increase because of the change of open container. Marshall said the village reached out to its police to ask if it saw any increase in open container law violations. Police said they did not. 
In talking to them, they were in full support of removing or rescinding the open container law, she said. Marshall encouraged the Batavia City Council to consider removing the open container law. It's an opportunity to increase the tasting room square footage for those that are alcohol providers. It also is a draw for the public to come and enjoy events within your area, she said. Avenue of Flags returns in Corfu, Brian Quinn. 26 flags adorn the road leading into the Western New York National Cemetery, where there will be a ceremony Sunday as part of Memorial Day weekend. It was the volunteers from the Memorial Council that did it. We support the cemetery, said Veteran Service Agency Director William Joyce. Joyce said 26 poles with sockets were put in during the first phase of construction of the cemetery. Eventually, when the construction is finishing phase two, we'd like to continue the avenue of flags. The flags are at no cost because they're donated by families. The Western New York National Cemetery Memorial Council is formed to support the cemetery. We would have to contract with a contractor to put the sockets in. He would have to put PVC pipe within concrete, and then an aluminum pole goes into the PVC pipe. The council would be interested in extending the avenue of flags, but can't right now because of phase two construction at the cemetery, which includes the columbarium, he said. Our last memorial council meeting, we asked the director if he would have a forecasted time when we could do that, and he didn't have one because they're still in phase two of construction, he said. We don't know when that will be turned over to the VA. I believe it was two teams that put the flags and poles in. There should be a minimum of four. One team went out and they replaced 11 flags since May 13th, Joyce said. They'll be taken off and repaired. Once they can't be repaired anymore, they'll be retired. Obituaries. Tuesday, May 23rd. Thomas Freeman Edgerton, 62, of Oakfield. Edward H. Reckberger III. Patricia K. Cohn. Eleanor M. Hart, 88, of Batavia. Everett Floyd West, 100, of Batavia. Geraldine P. Miller, 86, of Warsaw. Warren Craig Brammer, Jr., 42, of Warsaw. Marilyn L. Dusen, 80, of East Pembroke. Audrey Jean Hurd. Wednesday, May 24th. Lois A. Root, 97, of Leroy. Oakfield native Elaine June Graham, 94. Earl F. Dominici, 90, of Verysburg. Carrie Connolly Cartwright, 44, of Perry. John Duane Bostwick, 76. Harry Bennett, 79, of Warsaw. Some upcoming events. Legion Post hosting Chicken Barbecue, Lamont. A chicken barbecue will be conducted Sunday by Hunt Stout American Legion Post 1670. The barbecue will be eat in or take out. It will take place 3 p.m. until sold out at 6301 Lamont Road. Meals will cost $15. Horse Program hosting Gymkhana Show, Batavia. The Genesee County 4-H Horse Program will host an open 4-H Gymkhana Horse Show on June 10th. The show will start at 10 a.m. at the Genesee County Fairgrounds, 5056 East Main Street Road. Divisions will include walk-slash-jog, youth, and open. The show is open to 4-H members 8 to 18 years old and adults over 18 years old. The New York State 4-H Horse Show rules will apply to all participants. Proceeds from the show will support the Genesee County 4-H Horse Program. For more information, visit https colon slash slash genesee.cce.cornell.edu 
or call the Genesee County 4-H office at 585-343-3040, extension 101. Breakfast to support Civil Air Patrol cadets, Perry. A fly-in and drive-in breakfast will take place Sunday. The breakfast will support the area's Civil Air Patrol cadets and their activities. It will take place from 8 a.m. to noon at Perry Warsaw Airport at 6522 Route 20A. Cost is $10 and $5 for children younger than 12 years old. Church Planning Chicken Barbecue, Warsaw. A takeout chicken barbecue will be offered Saturday by the First United Methodist Church. The barbecue will take place at 4.30 p.m. until meals are sold out at the church at 6 West Court Street. It will include homemade pies and desserts. Cost is $14 for adults and $7 for children less than 12 years old. No dining room or drive-up services will be available, but delivery will be available in the village by calling 585-786-5570. All delivery requests must be made no later than 4 p.m. Saturday. Meeting to discuss Lake Ontario fishing, Rochester. An upcoming meeting will discuss the state of sport fishing on Lake Ontario. The meeting will take place 7 p.m. June 6th at the Irondequoit Fish and Game Club, 658 Bayfront South. Officials from the State Department of Environmental Conservation and other experts will take questions on a wide array of management actions and research taking place on the lake and tributaries, officials said in a news release. Interested anglers will have the opportunity to speak directly with staff and ask questions after a brief presentation. For more information, contact Chris Lagarde, Lake Ontario Unit Leader, at 315-654-2147 or email chris.legard at dec.ny.gov. Ceremony to Honor Deceased Officers, Batavia. The second annual flag commemoration ceremony for deceased members of the Batavia Police Department will take place Wednesday. The ceremony will take place 1 p.m. at the gravesite of Officer Retired Andrew McCulley in the St. Joseph Cemetery. Flags will once again be installed in metal flag holders at nearly 50 graves at cemeteries across Genesee County. Plaques were affixed to deceased officers interred in the Monsignor Schwartz Mausoleum. All families, friends, and retirees are welcome. Those wishing to attend are asked to assemble at 12.30 p.m. by the Kelly Mausoleum as the procession will begin to the grave site at 12.50 p.m. The flags and metal flag holders were produced and donated by H.E. Turner and Company Incorporated Funeral Home. Event will collect unwanted paint. Pavilion. If you've got unwanted paint, an upcoming disposal event can help you out. The collection will take place June 10th, the Glow Region Solid Waste Management Committee said in a news release. It is appointment only and open to residents and businesses in Genesee, Livingston, and Wyoming counties. All materials will be accepted at no charge. Participants will be able to drop off unwanted materials for disposal and recycling, including latex and oil-based paints, primers, sealers, and undercoats, varnishes, lacquers, and shellacs, deck sealers, floor coatings, and textured coatings, metal coatings and rust preventatives, waterproofing, concrete masonry wood sealers and repellents. Unacceptable materials include tar or bitumen-based products, aerosol cans, auto and marine paints, and aluminum paint. 
The disposal event is appointment only. Appointments can be made at www.glowsolidwaste.org and clicking on the collection link. Those without internet access may call the Glow office. Materials must be in original containers no larger than 5 gallons in size. Area Sherwin-Williams retailers and Crocker's Ace Hardware in Leroy also accept eligible products. Information on those and other locations can be found at www.paintcare.org. Village of Wyoming changes meetings. The Village of Wyoming's regular meetings will now be conducted 7 p.m. the second Tuesday of each month at the Wyoming Hook and Ladder Company on Maple Street. Modern Take, Vintage Swing, Ben Beagle, Medina. Band leader Gordon Webster will bring big band-style jazz and swing classics to Bent's Opera House on June 15th. The concert, featuring the Gordon Webster Jazz Septet and vocalist Julia Weatherholtz, will be the first live event for Medina Lindy in the Village, an organization dedicated to bringing swing music and social dancing to the Niagara-Orleans Genesee region. Medina Lindy in the Village hosts monthly dances on the third Thursday of each month at Bent's. A free lesson is offered at 6.30 p.m. Dancing starts at 7.30 p.m. The appearance by the Gordon Webster Septet will celebrate the growth of the Medina Lindy in the Village dance community, according to Phil Barry of Medina Lindy in the Village. Throughout the evening, three groups of dancers will share exhibition Lindy Hop performances at ability levels ranging from professional instructors to competitive amateurs to recent beginners. Those interested in learning more about Lindy Hop Swing Dancing may attend a beginner swing dance lesson from 7 to 7.30 p.m. The lesson is included with ticket purchase. Experienced dancers will be on hand to assist beginners. An intermediate Lindy Hop workshop called Sharing the Stage, Helping Your Partner Shine, will also be offered for an additional price from 6 to 7 p.m. That workshop will be taught by Marta Pedrero, who is originally from Barcelona, Spain, and Doriel Prince Nadwormi of Rochester. The June 15th performance will have drinks and appetizers available from Harvest Restaurant and an open dance floor. Tickets for the concert slash dance and the workshop are available online at www.medinalindy.com slash tickets. Webster, a jazz musician, has been performing in New York City since the mid-2000s. He is known for a modern take on vintage swing music. Webster has played 100 cities in more than 20 countries and is a regular at Snowball in Stockholm. He has also performed at Swingtime Ball in Beijing, Lindy Schock in Budapest, CCS Montreal, and the London Lindy Exchange. Stateside, Webster has performed at such events as DCLX, Beantown Camp, and Swing Out New Hampshire. For more information on Medina Lindy in the Village, go to medinalindy.com. Transportation Museum opens Sunday, Rush. The New York Museum of Transportation will conduct its season opening on Sunday. The museum will be open 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. at 6393 East River Road. It's celebrating its 50th anniversary and featuring the only vintage trolley ride in New York State. The museum houses a collection of 14 trolley cars, several highway and horse-drawn vehicles, three model railroads, the Midtown Plaza monorail, and numerous exhibits celebrating the region's transportation history. In the gallery, a video presents the Rochester subway in color, and a gift shop caters to the needs of all ages and interests. Trolley rides are included with admission. Visitors will experience the interurban era of a century ago as their trolley car winds its way on a 20-minute round trip through scenic countryside. Admission prices are $10 for adults, $9 for seniors 65 and older, and $6 for youths 3 to 12 years old. 
check www.nymtmuseum.org for more information. You are listening to a reading of articles and features from the Batavia Daily News on the Niagara Frontier Radio Reading Service. Crime. Wilson sentenced for child porn, Scott to Smith, Albion. A disgraced community volunteer and Lindenville Village trustee was sentenced last week in Orleans Court to weekends in jail and probation for possessing child pornography. Darren D. Wilson, 62, in March, admitted that he possessed obscene images of children engaging in sexual conduct. He pleaded guilty to one count of possessing a sexual performance by a child with the promise of a sentence of no more than six months in jail and 10 years probation. Judge Sanford Church opted for a lesser sentence of weekends in jail for four months and fined him $2,425. Wilson will also have to register as an offender on the state sex offender registry. Wilson was on the Village Board Board of Trustees and was president of Lindenville Area Foundation and Lindenville's Lions Club when he was arrested May 23, 2022. State police in April 2022 received a tip from an Internet Crimes Against Children that Wilson was involved in child pornography. A six-week investigation revealed that he was. Investigators also found that Wilson possessed unregistered handguns, a charge that was later dismissed as part of the plea deal. Wilson resigned from the village board and was replaced by Terry Stinson in August. Also in county court, Noah Howlett, 21, entered a not-guilty plea to an indictment charging him with second-degree rape for having a sexual relationship with a minor. Howlett, 21, formerly of Albion, was committed to jail with bail set at $5,000. Patricia L. Capen, 54, of Lindenville, was sentenced to 364 days in jail for stealing more than $1,000 in items from Walmart. Paul Morrow, 43, of Medina, was sentenced to 16 months to three years in prison for felony DWI. Blotter. Stafford. A Batavia man faces charges for stealing cash and a blank check, Genesee County Sheriff's deputy said. Adam D. Smart, 40, was charged with forgery, criminal possession of a forged instrument, criminal possession of stolen property, and two counts of petty larceny. Investigators said Smart stole $800 and a blank check from a residence February 14th and forged and cashed the check two days later. Tanawana Seneca Nation. Two sisters were charged with grand larceny for allegedly stealing more than $1,000 cash from their employer, Genesee County Sheriff's deputy said. Margaret N. George, 20, and Kristen D. George, 26, of Council House Road are to appear at a later date in town court. Batavia. Heather N. Holbrook, 38 of Batavia, faces drug charges after an investigation into a traffic stop in December, Genesee County Sheriff's deputy said. She was charged with fifth-degree criminal possession of a controlled substance and misdemeanor possession for having cocaine and suboxone. Alabama. Dustin A. Getz, 35 of Albion, was charged with misdemeanor drug possession after a traffic stop, state police said. He also was charged with aggravated unlicensed operation. Vehicle exceeded 100 miles per hour. Matt Sertel, Perry. A New York City man is facing several charges after a high-speed chase early Saturday morning. State police were conducting stationary radar monitoring at 1.46 a.m. on Route 20A, Wyoming County Sheriff's deputy said. The troopers observed a vehicle being driven west at 92 miles per hour in a 40-mile-per-hour speed zone. Deputies tried to stop the vehicle, but the driver allegedly failed to comply with the lights and sirens while continuing at speeds estimated at more than 100 miles per hour. Deputies discontinued the pursuit but continued following from a safe distance. The driver allegedly committed several other traffic violations, 
such as passing multiple vehicles at high speed. The vehicle was then caught after it stopped for a red light at the Main Street intersection in Warsaw. The driver was identified as Kendry A. Molina, 19, of New York City. Deputies charged him with reckless driving, failure to comply with lawful order, speeding, driving at a speed not reasonable and prudent, improper passing, failure to keep right, improper signaling, and consumption of marijuana in a motor vehicle. He was then issued additional vehicle and traffic tickets by troopers and Warsaw Village Police. Molina was issued appearance tickets. He is to appear June 5th in Warsaw Town Court. Brad Pitt finds a new home. Scott DeSmit, Batavia. A year later, Brad Pitt has found a home. It was in early May 2022 that City of Batavia police officers entered an apartment on Bank Street after a neighbor called to report that two dogs had been abandoned. Police found two dogs confined to crates with no food or water. They also found a bird in its cage. One of the dogs was in such poor shape it had to be euthanized. The other dog and the bird were turned over to Genesee County Animal Shelter. On May 17th, two people, Andrew A. Seawright, 36, and Jertonia A. Scarborough, 25, were arrested and charged with felony counts of animal cruelty. Volunteers for Animals cared for Brad and the bird as the court case against the couple plotted through the courts. The couple was later indicted by a Genesee County grand jury, and in January, both pleaded guilty to two counts of animal cruelty. Seawright and Scarborough were placed on one year of strict probation. If successful, both would be allowed to plead to a lesser charge and avoid state prison. Brad Pitt, meanwhile, was well taken care of at the shelter. He was offered frequent and small feedings, bathed, and given lots of TLC, a Friday post on Volunteers for Animals' Facebook page said. He was named Brad Pitt because of his movie star looks. Brad eventually gained weight, but had battled with skin infections and urinary tract infections. Brad was very popular and well-loved by everyone at the shelter, the Post says. He was a survivor, and everyone was determined to give him the best life. Brad could not be adopted until the court case was settled. Seawright and Scarborough signed the dog over to the shelter after their plea. Brad was immediately neutered and put up for adoption. Brad was adopted by a wonderful family and is now living the life he always deserved, the shelter wrote. And the bird found locked in its cage... It was signed over and adopted as well. Upward and Onward, Brian Quinn, Batavia. One graduate received her degree and walked back to her seat with her daughter by her side. Another gave a family member a hug after he took her picture with her degree in hand. Another student among the class of 2023, who formally finished her career at GCC during Saturday's commencement ceremony, had the words, I can finally breathe on her graduation cap. The student, Tiffany Smith of Arkport, earned an Associate of Applied Science degree in respiratory care, finished her four-year program at the college. In August, she will start working at United Memorial Medical Center as a respiratory therapist. She said she was the first in her family to graduate from GCC and had done her clinical work at United Memorial Medical Center. The school gave me very many opportunities and landed me the job I love to do. The campus is beautiful and I've made tons of friends here, she said after the ceremony. I just moved to Batavia yesterday. 2003 graduate Amari Watts of Pembroke completed a two-year program in business administration. She had graduated from Oakfield, Alabama Central School. I'm going to take a year off, but I do plan on going to Brockport for my bachelor's degree, she said. I will be working full-time at Walmart. I've been working there for three-plus years. When she goes to SUNY Brockport for her degree in business, Watts says she'll be in a two-year program. I want to get into HR, human resources, and go from there, she said. Right now I'll be staying around here, but eventually I'll probably move out of state. I don't know where yet. 
GCC was amazing and was very encouraging, the 2023 graduate said. They were always there when I needed help, responded very fast. All my professors did, Watts said. They were just amazing, and hopefully I will be visiting here in the future. In particular, Watts gave credit to Laura Mooney, a secretary in the Student Engagement and Inclusion Program at GCC. She was my main supporter through everything. She also worked at Oakfield, Alabama High School, where I first met her, and she also works at Walmart with me. GCC graduate Benjamin J. Bonarigo Sr., who retired from Bonarigo and McCutcheon Law Firm in 2020 as a managing partner, returned to campus to give the keynote address. In 1977, two years after graduating from Batavia High School, Bonarigo earned an Associates of Science degree in business from GCC. I'm a first-generation college graduate who wouldn't be able to make that claim if it were not for a woman who didn't make it beyond the eighth grade. I had gone away to college after graduating high school. However, because of family circumstances, I made a choice to come home after just one semester, he said. When I told this woman about my choice, she put her finger to my chest and said, that's fine, as long as you promise to continue your education. She recognized the importance of education, even though hers was limited. That lady was my mother. Bonarigo said he and others who have lived a good portion of their lives may think they should be using our life experience to direct the graduates on what to do, how to do it, and on what to look out for along the way. No doubt we have an obligation to help them down life's winding pathway. But my question to all of us today is, do we have the right, he asked. Can we, with a straight face and an objective view of the world around us, say that we're qualified to do this? Indifference to the greatest democracy in the world occurs when we don't feel our vote is worthwhile when we feel it is more comfortable to complain about the way things are being run than to make a difference by running them ourselves, Bonarigo said. So I say to you, get off social media, get off the couch, get out of the house, and make a difference in this world. Do the things that we may not have been so good at, he said. Our problems are not as great as he makes them out to be today, Bonarigo said. I've taken a very close look at these graduates, and they are actually smarter and more aware than we ever were. They are energetic and bright, this will allow them to recognize our failings and shortcomings, he said. I see in them a strength, commitment, and resolve to seek a better way forward. They see the need to live in peace and harmony, not only with neighbors, but with all the people of the world. Parents and grandparents in attendance, here in this room sits our world's best reason for hope. They will find a way to smooth the bumps in the path we leave behind with their intelligence, hard work, and ability to give more of themselves than we ever did. My hope is that we can all live long enough to see and appreciate the differences they will make, he said. Let me take this final moment to tell these graduates something we all believe and that we know we have a right to say, that we are all so very proud of them and how much we believe in them and the future they will create. During the welcome for the 55th commencement ceremony, Sunser said the class included international students from Brazil, Canada, China, Curaçao, Ireland, Japan, Portugal, Scotland, Ukraine, and the United Kingdom. We also have students that come to us from throughout New York State, including New York City and from across the country. In fact, many places very different than Genesee County, he said. These students join us and the local Glow area students to bring a cultural richness and diversity to our college community, he said. Sunser said the class of 2023 includes the fifth cohort of students in the GCC's Science, Technology, Engineering, and Math program, one of the options available through the GCC Accelerated College Enrollment Program. These students began the pursuit of a college degree while they were still in middle school. These 12 students that are here today with us that are graduating from GCC are a few weeks ahead of their actual high school graduation. Special kudos to this group of special achievers, he said. GCC introduces Genesee for Life. 
Brian Quinn, Batavia. Before this year's Genesee Community College commencement ended, President Dr. James Sunser had one more announcement, a new program for the class of 2023 and the graduates who came before it. You know, we live in a world that is constantly changing and one that requires us to continually evolve, develop new skills, and stay current in order to be those successful members of society we aspire to be. He told the graduates and their families, as a member of the class of 2023, you will now be eligible to take future courses at SUNY GCC free of charge for the rest of your life. We call this unique program Genesee for Life, and it is our way of supporting you, not just now, but throughout your life's journey. Genesee for Life allows all GCC graduates to return to take credit-bearing courses tuition-free for life. Returning students will have the opportunity to prepare for new careers, transfer education opportunities, or to gain new skills for personal pursuits. GCC has a history of promoting lifelong learning opportunities, thereby empowering our students to become leaders in the changing world. Genesee for Life takes that commitment even further, said Sunser. Now more than ever, the world we live in is evolving rapidly, and with that comes the continual evolution of educational and employment opportunities. All students who have graduated from GCC now have the assurance that should they ever wish or need to pursue a new field of study, GCC will welcome them back with free tuition for life. Genesee for Life will welcome its first students for the fall 2023 semester, and registration has already begun. For more information on available courses, registration, and campus contacts for assistance, visit www.genesee.edu slash Genesee, the number four, life. The Diocese of Buffalo names area priests, Matt Sertel, Batavia. The Diocese of Buffalo has formally named the priests assigned to its families of parishes in Genesee, Orleans, and Wyoming counties. The assignments are part of the diocese's Road to Renewal plan. The idea is to reinvigorate the Roman Catholic faith while optimizing parish and diocesan resources. That includes increasing the reach and effectiveness of parish ministries. Two to six priests will be assigned per family. The announcements include Genesee, Wyoming, Vicariat Family Number 12, Reverend Scottston Brentwood as priest and moderator, Reverend Matthew Zernheld as priest, and Reverend Kenneth Breen as parochial vicar. The assignments are effective June 5th. The family of parishes includes Ascension and Resurrection Churches in Batavia, Our Lady of Mercy in Leroy, St. Bridget in Burgeon, and St. Padre Pio in Oakfield. Genesee, Wyoming, Vicariat Family Number 13, Reverend Daniel J. Serbicki has been named pastor effective June 1st. The family of parishes in- includes St. Maximilian Kolb in Corfu, Saints Joaquin and Anne in Attica, St. John Newman in Strikersville, Immaculate Heart of Mary in Darien Center, and St. John the Baptist in Alden. Niagara Orleans Family Vicariate Number 11, Reverend Paul Lada has been named parochial vicar effective July 1st. The family of parishes include St. Mary's in Holly, St. Mark's in Kendall, Holy Family in Albion, Holy Trinity in Medina, and Our Lady of the Lake in Barker. The road to renewal will ultimately group the diocese 161 parishes into 36 families of parishes. The process is expected to last through next year. The original Woody's Deli Remembered, Brian Quinn, Leroy. Since it closed earlier this month, fans of the original Woody's Deli on North Street have been recalling their favorite menu items. They've expressed surprise or sadness over the news. 
They've also spoken well of owner Brian Cannelly and wished him the best. It's a loss to the community, Mayor Greg Rogers said Monday. I know Brian personally very well, but I haven't spoken to him since he's closed, Rogers said. He's a very, very good cook, very, very good businessman, but he's an even better person. I've known him for 25 years. The mayor said he used to call Woody's Deli a lot and bought food to send to a family who had just had a funeral for a loved one. He would also order food from Woody's Deli for a special event. I wish him the best in whatever he does, Rogers said. He'll be successful in whatever he does. Village and town historian Lynn Boluccio said the recent closing of the original Woody's Deli, 47 North Street, took everybody by surprise. She remembers being so impressed by one of Woody's owners, Brian Cannelly's menu items, that she tried to recreate it at home but couldn't. A couple of years ago, I got hooked on his tomato, basil, and artichoke soup. It was absolutely glorious, she said Saturday morning. I tried to reproduce it. I missed that. I loved his pizza, always did, and his subs were amazing. Boluccio said she doesn't know for sure what led to the closing of Woody's Deli. The Daily News left a message for Cannelly Saturday on Facebook Messenger through the Woody's Deli page, but the owner has not replied. Calls to the deli led to a message that the phone number was disconnected and is no longer in use. It's not just that we've lost a deli, we lost a food tradition. A lot of people said online, we were planning on stopping by and picking up something that day and it was closed, she said. Belluccio said the garbage plates at Woody's were popular with her family. When one of my grandsons would be home from college, it was like, gotta go up to Woody's and get a garbage plate, she recalled to the Daily News. Belluccio said she would bribe another grandson to come and visit her with promises of getting food at the deli. He would come from Syracuse. Come to Grandma's and we'll go to Woody's, she remembers telling her grandson. Woody's Deli was a place where people would go for lunch, for example, Belluccio said. We could take it and run with it, or we could sit there and eat it. People would call in and they would come in and pick it up, she said. You'd go in and sometimes it was just him and one other person. A Mac Palace Cemetery Association member, Belluccio, says when they did a project at the cemetery on North Street, they would get food from Woody's. When we would have volunteers at the cemetery just down the road, we would call up and get an order. The volunteers would be there to help, but they knew they were getting food from Woody's, she said. Belluccio also remembers a time when correctional facility inmates were painting the village hall under her supervision. She went there and spoke to the people who were overseeing the inmates. I found out they were up there working, and I said, hey, I'll get you some subs from Woody's. I knew a couple of guys that were overseeing it. It was like their eyes lit up. They were really glad I had seen them. When Leroy used to have a Wings Over Leroy event at the airport, Woody's Deli's wings were a hit. One of the things we did, we had a contest of who had the best chicken wings in Leroy, and he won, Belluccio said. He won the Golden Wing Award for the best wings in Leroy. He won in a couple of years. Chamber Eyes Eclipse Plans, Brian Quinn, Batavia. Three local businesses or organizations have started working on the activities they want to offer people when the total solar eclipse arrives and is visible in the area on the afternoon of April 8, 2024. Leaders of the three, the Holland Land Office Museum, Batavia Downs Gaming and Hotel, and Genesee County Park and Forest, spoke about some of their plans in a video conference this week hosted by the Genesee County Chamber of Commerce. Batavia and Genesee County sit directly in the path of totality, and viewers will experience 3 minutes 42 seconds of totality beginning at 3 3.19 p.m. and a partial eclipse for nearly two and a half hours, the chamber says. A total solar eclipse causes the sky to become as dark as deep twilight, bright stars and planets to appear, and the sun's outer atmosphere, called the corona, to shine around the black disk of the moon's silhouette. Changes in temperature, winds, and animal behavior occur during the time around totality. Ryan Duffy, executive director of the Holland Land Office Museum, said the museum is planning an exhibit showcasing January 1925, the last time this area had a complete solar eclipse. What we are looking 
looking at is to look back through the archives of the Daily News and other local newspapers of the day to get a local reaction to when this happened before, and then also incorporate artifacts from the time here that would be applicable to Genesee County that were experiencing it back in 1925, he said. I'm really trying to focus on artifacts that people would have had on that day or would be part of their daily lives. Duffy said he's thinking in particular about clothing from 1925. We do have a large collection of 1920s clothing and some winter clothing that people would have been wearing if they went out to check out the complete solar eclipse in January 1925, he said. Duffy said the museum is preparing a small portion of that exhibit for the fall. It will be a teaser, then by about November, to have this larger exhibit come into being in one of our rooms at the museum, and then have that up through the event, he said. By having it up that long, we could also tweak things in between and change out some things or shake things up based on different things as we see fit. The museum is trying to bring what it was like for people almost 100 years ago during the 1925 total eclipse to today's audience, Duffy said. Ryan Hassenauer, director of marketing at Batavia Downs, said Batavia Downs is planning a big party. Plans are right now, we're going to be doing a hotel package that will encompass Sunday and Monday nights. In talking with our hotel partner, Hart Hotels, which helps us run the hotel here at Batavia Downs, they're already selling packages at their Watkins Glen location and getting quite a fair amount of money for it. I think that's something all the hotels locally, including us, could look forward to. Batavia Downs plans to do something the weekend right before the eclipse, such as some themed cash drawing and freed play drawings. I believe one of the weekends that our psychic fair would normally come to town, I think she picked that week because an eclipse is very psychic, he said. We have a psychic fair that weekend that runs Friday night, Saturday, Sunday. I think that will be very exciting for people who are in the area to come out and check that out. People would be able to get their palms read. They could do all the things they normally do during the psychic fair. The party would be during the afternoon of Monday, April 8th. It would have live music from a Buffalo party band, Hassenauer said. I've got one in mind. I've got to get them to commit, but I think it's going to happen, he said. Basically, it's just going to be a great place where people can just get together. Batavia Downs would want to get some of the Chamber of Commerce's Eclipse-themed protective glasses for people to wear, Hassenauer said. Even if we could purchase these things and not get them donated, we're going to do things like give out sun chips and moon pies and Milky Ways and half-moon cookies, he said. We'll have sampling from Sunkist and Blue Moon and Sol Cerveza, anything that's got to do with the moon or the sun. I want that to be one of the food and beverage things that you'll get at our party. Depending on the weather, the party might be outside with live music, Hassenauer said. When the total eclipse happens in this area at 3.19 p.m. on April 8th, even before that, people will be allowed to go on the track apron or on the middle of the racetrack and look up at the eclipse with their safety glasses on. After the total and partial eclipses are over, Batavia Downs will still have some music. Genesee County Department of Parks, Recreation, and Forestry Conservation Education Program Coordinator Shannon Lyaski said the park will plan a viewing event. People will be able to come to the park that day anyway, but on April 8th, the park will have self-guided activities. We will have a telescope and we will have some other self-guided activities, probably an educational video about the eclipse and what it's all about, some crafts that kids can do and take home with them, she said. The park will make sure there are porta-potties and that people are there to direct traffic in the parking lot, especially because it's like to be muddy in April. Really, the show is happening in the sky. We're planning to have some white canvases, either on the outside of the building or on the ground, she said. One of the phenomena that happens during a total eclipse is shadow bands. You get these really weird shadows happening because of the way the light is bending around the moon and the corona is visible, which is also really cool. The park and forest will share educational information. The Rochester Museum and Science Center has an Eclipse Ambassador program and chose 50 organizations to whom to give a grant. We became recipients of that. 
The purpose of that is to provide support for education around the STEM experience and really get that out to the community, get people excited about the eclipse, and do a lot of education around that. Lyaski said each grantee gets $1,000 stipend to help with expenses to support programming around the eclipse. Also, a telescope is included, which is very beneficial to the park because this is something we can use toward future events as well. The telescope comes with a solar filter. It's got a special filter on it so that you can see. We're trying to get a big screen so everyone can see what happening through the telescope. We're working on setting up a structure in the park where viewing through the telescope will be accessible to everyone. With that comes other educational materials and training around using these materials, Lyaski said. The park will have the eclipse glasses as well and will be partnering with the Chamber of Commerce on some of the branding materials. As far as the usage of the park, it's going to be the same as it always is. We won't have camping in the park. We won't have horses on that day, she said. Normally you can ride your horse in the park, but not on that day. For April 8th, the park will promote Leave No Trace so that people come to the park, but it doesn't look like a disaster after the eclipse. When I've talked to other parks about this event, they said that people from the local area also came to the local park to view it because there is a darker sky there to get the full effect, Lyaski said. You've been listening to a reading of articles and features from the May 23rd to 25th issues of the Batavia Daily News. Your reader has been Chris. Thank you for listening.